Hello, and welcome to Worst Bestsellers, where we read about the coolest kid in Stony Brook, so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read both Claudia and Mean Janine and Claudia and the Middle School Mystery by Anne M. Martin. Joining us to discuss these classic Babysitter's Club books is Susan Tan, a children's book author and former unpaid babysitter who clearly did not pay enough attention to the entrepreneurial lessons of the Babysitter's Club. Hi, Susan. Hi, thank you for having me. Thanks Thanks so much for joining us. us. Jinx, we're excited. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited. Susan is the author of, well, and we'll talk about this when we get to Reader's Advisory, but I just want to say up front of the Silla Lee Jenkins books, and if you have kids who are reading Babysitter's Club, you should check those out. Yes, I'm pretty sure we've talked about them on the podcast before. But... I think we have too, but we're Aww, doing it again. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, So this, I'm sure, as most of you who are listening know, is yet another uh, entrance. Flashback summer. Flashback summer episode. I was trying to come up with a word. Entry. Entry into our flashback summer (laughs) lineup. Um, You know, we've done a Babysitter's Club already. We've got at least one, maybe two Babysitter's Clubs percolating to come after this. It's very Babysitter's (laughs) heavy summer Uh, And Flashback Summer is, of course, the time of year when we revisit favorite childhood books of ourselves and our guests. And I know that I speak for all of us when I say that Babysitter's Club were a favorite of all three of us currently on this recording. Yes. Yes. And and based on feedback of many of our listeners, I mean, these books were incredibly popular. So odds are pretty good that if you had a reading life in the 80s and 90s, you were familiar with these. And if you were familiar with these, you probably like them because they're great. Yeah, especially in our, you know, I feel audience of largely, not entirely, but largely uh, young millennial book people. Or older millennial, millennial book people. Yes. Yeah, by young <laughs> millennial, I think you mean geriatric millennials. Geriatric <laughs> right. millennial book people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so this summer, you know, we've all had a really long year plus, And so I think we're just sort of being really self-indulgent and just letting ourselves roll around in a big pile of babysitter's club books instead of, you know, in past years we've been like, we'll do one babysitter's club episode, but maybe people will get tired of it. So we'll do other stuff. And this year we're like, I don't care if you're sick of babysitter's club, this is all we're doing. And there's other podcasts. Thanks. This is such (laughs) an adversarial tone to take right at the top. I'm sorry. I just wanted to, (laughs) to rephrase. I'm excited to still be talking about babysitter's club. Yes. Um, So last, Last episode, we talked about uh, summer camp and how that fits into the babysitter canon. And uh, this episode, we are going to be spotlighting uh, the coolest babysitter of all, Mm -hmm. Claudia, Mm -hmm. which is very exciting. Before we get too into it, I feel like every time I talk about Claudia, I pronounce her last name differently and I can't hold it in my head. Is Is it Kishi or Kishi or something else? I think it's Kishi. Yeah, Kishi. I've always okay. heard it Kishi. Okay, yeah. great. Including, I think, in audio books that I've listened to. Okay, yeah, I've never listened to these on audio. Okay, great. Yeah. So if you're somehow unfamiliar with the Babysitter's Club, welcome. Welcome to <laughs> it. We have done past episodes on it, but if you're starting with this one, this is, of course, a very long-running series that started in 1986, um, written by Anna Martin and a host of ghost writers. I did not know that until adulthood. That yeah, still I guess I didn't either. 
you know, they don't advertise it. Right. You got to keep the Anne M. Martin um, mystique alive. But these were coming out like one a month. And if, and although, you know, Nora Roberts has a book a month and they're not ghostwritten. So I guess it's possible. But yeah. But I think for me, revisiting these and thinking about Nora Roberts is a good comparison because for a long time before I started actually revisiting these as an adult for the podcast, I I remember these fondly, but I kind of in my head was like, but they probably weren't actually that good. You know, there's just so many of them and they're ghostwritten and they are formulaic. And we talk about how they always kind of have the same second chapter where it introduces all the girls and the concept like you know, anyone who's read a bunch of these could probably generate a second chapter from the top of their head. Like, well, you know, Christy had this idea when her mom couldn't find a sitter. And then there's Marianne, who's super shy. And, you know, we can all do that. But reading these now, especially these two, I was really surprised at what, like, an emotional impact these had. These are not um, you know, it's not just fluff garbage. Like there's an emotional weight to these and they're treating these characters and their emotions with such respect. And it was so nice to see. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, between reading this one, we recently read, like I said, the summer camp super special. Um, and I revisited, I think a couple other last summer after the t- television show. Yeah, the Netflix show dropped. Mm. And it is it is very because I read a lot of these like ghost written committee written books as a kid, like a ton of these series. And I, I do feel like these hold up in a way that like some of the others don't. And I think that is why everyone still remembers Babysitter's Club, but doesn't remember like the Sleepover Girls or, you know, some of the other ones that were around at that time. Mm-hmm. because these yeah. they did have like all of these girls were fully realized characters with like deep emotional oh. lives and even though they stayed 13 for 700 bucks yeah. they did grow over time yeah no i'm so with you and i just was struck too i think i'd sort of forgotten that there's the kind of emotional punch of the overarching story But I also forgot all the beautiful little interpersonal moments. And when, you know, you say something and you worry, oh my gosh, did I hurt Stacy's feelings? She'd go, oh, but no, it's fine. And we, we fixed that and we had a quick chat about it. And I was annoyed at this friend, but then we made up because I knew she had my best interests at heart. Like that felt so real to social interactions in this age. I just loved it. Yes, it's an audio podcast that I was nodding vigorously the whole time you were talking. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so I read, in addition to reading these two books, I also read uh, Raina Tegelmeyer's graphic novel adaptation of Claudia mm-hmm. and Mean Janine. And because it takes place, because it's the, I think the third or fourth one of those that she did, it doesn't take place in the same place in the timeline as the the... This book? is book seven. Mean Janine, right? Or, yeah, yeah. It's book yeah. seven of the long of the actual series, and Middle School Mystery is book forty. Um, so the the graphic novel is, I think, like the third or fourth one. Oh, interesting. And in this book, Dawn and Christy have kind of like become friends. In the graphic novel, they're still at odds with each other because Marianne, Dawn, if you're unfamiliar with the Babysitter's Club, Marianne was Christie's best friend. Then Dawn moved to town and Dawn and Marianne became very good friends at a time when the other babysitters were kind of shunning Marianne for reasons. And 
now Christy is jealous for a while that Marianne has a new best friend and eventually like they they become friends as well and they they make up. So the the graphic novel showed us Christy and Dawn still at odds whereas here we have like sort of the next step of their friendship where they're you know sort of tentatively friends but still like not super close and then you know in these other later books that that Renata and I have read recently I don't know if it comes up in middle school mystery like they're friends Christy and Dawn are just friends now and like watching Mm -hmm. that evolution over time just feels you know, like, yes, you can pick up any book in this series and read the second chapter and know all of the background and continue with it. But there are these things hidden for people who are reading all of the books in order and getting to see like, how and I, I think despite like, I, I think even the fact that it is ghostwritten adds like this extra level of, of talent to those ghostwriters and to Anna Martin for outlining the books for being able to carry that over to like have a slow slide from we hate each other to friendship over the course of the series, even though all the books are written by different people. Well, and I think the most famous performer Babysitter's Club ghostwriter is David Levithan, who's like an award-winning writer in his own right. I actually, I don't know the other ones, but if they have written books under their own names, I bet they're good too. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Wow, what did I hadn't realized what an endeavor. That's just such a good point. I was nodding the whole time, like the effort it takes to plan a series and get everyone, sort of your team, all on the same page to develop these characters in such a consistent way. Yeah, and I know, like David Levithan, I've I've seen him speak about this about the babysitter's club and his time as like an intern and then ghostwriter. And he talks about having just like a giant binder of all the details of all the babysitters and, you know, what kind of clothes they have in their wardrobe and what's happened in these books. And it's interesting to me to think about this now in this internet era where, you know, I read a lot of young adult fantasy trilogies or series, and I am constantly, you know, you read book one and you wait a year or two, book two comes out I go and get book two from the library and open. I'm like, wait, who are these people? What is this? And then I have to go on like fan wikis to remind myself because <laughs> I don't really have time to like reread the whole book. But I also don't remember. And the books now aren't going to give you this whole hand holding chapter of just like, anyway, like I'm the vice president and here's this, like they'll give you a little bit, but they're not going to spell it out. And so because we have the internet now, I think that's filling in a lot the internet is now the chapter two the internet is chapter two yeah so let's talk a little bit about claudia specifically as a character um i know that both in the intro and uh when we were just speaking about her now we all refer to her as the coolest babysitter which is it is just objectively true she is the best one (laughs) yeah yeah And I, I I like that. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I think it's great that she's the best one. But one of the things that my thought just went completely out of my head. Well, I mean, I think one thing that we want to talk about, and especially with Susan, is this idea of like Claudia as Asian American representation mm. in children's literature of the 90s and how... You know, the stereo... Like, if you were going to have a stereotypical Asian American girl, like, maybe she would be maybe a little bit more like Janine and like the good Mm -hmm. student. And instead we have Claudia who seems to have an undiagnosed learning disorder maybe, or maybe just isn't as concerned with academic subjects as she is with 
art and expressing herself and her fashion like her fashion is a big reason why she's the coolest one and she does take Mm -hmm. fashion seriously and she's good at it and claudia too and we talked about this in the summer books but she just has such emotional intelligence and i and i love that about her that's what that's where i was going with that before i um (laughs) is that like she's the coolest one but she's not like stacy is like cool and sophisticated Mm -hmm. and sometimes comes off comes off as kind of a snob like christy is bossy Mm -hmm. like there's all i'm not saying claudia doesn't have any flaws but i think claudia is the kindest of the babysitters and the most thoughtful like marianne is very sensitive but like Claudia, I feel like over the course of the books is, yeah, is emotionally intelligent enough to pick up on a lot of things that wouldn't necessarily like ping the radar of the other girls. Yeah. Or like maybe yeah. they would for Marianne, but then she'd be too shy to do anything about it. She'd be like, oh, it'd be nice if someone would go like talk to her, but I'm shy. And Claudia would maybe just go and talk to whoever is in pain or whatever. Right. Right. And just what you were both saying too, Claudia, and, and I mean, they all these characters have dimensions, as we were saying before. But I think for me, that was such a big thing reading these books as a kid. You know, as you say, she's cool. And, you know, her, she has this incredible fashion sense. And she's an artist and she's talented. But she also has all these sort of other dimensions. Like we could list them on and on and on about her relationships with various family members and not liking school and being with her friends and how she is socially and kind and seeing an Asian American character with that kind of depth, I think at least in my memory, sort of as a young Chinese American kid looking for characters was really rare, you know, and, and I think oftentimes in the nineties, a lot of books featuring Asian American characters tended to sort of center this kind of fall into that realm of giant air quotes issue books, Mm -hmm. you know, where they would center pain or suffering. And I think for me, I just remember seeing Claudia and being like, what? There's a cool Asian girl, (laughs) you know, you can, and that, that can be your, you can just be super cool and, you know, have human problems and, you know, human talents. That's amazing. So yeah, just to, just, to say I totally agree with everything you're both saying. Uh, so I guess with that intro to Claudia, maybe we could start going into the, well, we can start with Claudia and Mean Janine and start going through the book. And if more mm-hmm. points arise, obviously we will not hesitate to um, take those <laughs> tangents and follow them where they lead us. But um, but Claudia and Mean Janine, like we said, it's book seven. So it's pretty early in the run, mm-hmm. but we've already established that Claudia's Beloved grandmother Mimi lives with the family and the babysitters club uh, has their meetings at Claudia's house famously because Claudia has her own phone line, but Mimi will pop in on their meetings and she's just like this very warm figure who, who lives with the family and helps them with their meals, uh, like helps prepare meals and childcare and things like that. But also just everyone loves Mimi. She seems like the ideal grandmother figure. Yes. And uh, it's summertime again it's summertime again it's always sunny so it's always cool. summer in stony brook <laughs> i forgot that this is set in connecticut i just thought when is there snow wait a minute well there is babysitter's club super special snowbound <laughs> oh, ooh, I that one. 
Next summer. We'll read it next summer. <laughs> so this is actually, I believe this is the only time the babysitters age. I believe when the, sh- when the books start, they're 12. And we go through, I think the first few books, they're in seventh grade. I, I'm not 100% sure, so don't quote me on that. Yes, yes, because, yes, no, because yes, because Kate, because book one, Christy's Great Idea, she, it's like the last day of seventh grade, or it's almost the last day of seventh grade, and she has to write an essay about decorum because she's too excited that seventh grade is over. Remember? Remember that? (laughs) So they, this is the, the, so we've reached the, I I guess another summer. So maybe, so maybe they're now, now they've reached the perpetually 13 part, but they are 12 when they start. And this is like the seventh book. Um, So... The timeline of Babysitter's Club does make you want to make like a a red string bulletin board, but it would <laughs> it would be a Mobius strip of string. It would not add up. Also, I know this is a separate thing, but you bringing up the essay on decorum when we talk about middle school mystery, we should also talk about all the problems with the teachers at yeah. Stony Brook Middle School. Yeah. Right? It's like, oh my god, an essay on decorum? And then, oh my god, everything that goes down in middle school mystery? (laughs) In the last episode, we really took the staff of Camp Mohawk to task for their irresponsible (laughs) childcare, and I I do think this is a recurring problem for adults in Stony (laughs) I mean, and obviously with middle school mystery, when I read it, I was a child, so I had no idea. And reading it now, I was like, what are your school policies? <laughs> Who is in charge here? Yeah. Spoiler, it's the Babysitter's Club. They run this town. Exactly. <laughs> um, so it is, it is somehow summer again. It is School is over. Claudia is stoked because she doesn't have to go to school anymore. Janine is less stoked because she well, loves Janine's school. Janine's still going to school. Janine's voluntarily she, going to summer school. Yes, but she's starting summer classes soon. Um, and... <laughs> Christie's mother has just recently married Watson Brewer and is moving across town. During the course of this book, they actually move, which is weird. Mm. You think that would happen in a Christie book, but whatever. Yeah. And so they, everything kind of feels like it's like changing a little. It's a little new. Uh, and the babysitters decide that they are going to have a summer play group because most of them are free during the month of July, including Christy, apparently, even though she's moving. And mm-hmm. so they are going to host a playgroup in Stacy's backyard from 9 to 1230 every day, every other day, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays over the course of July so that all of their regular clients can just send their kids to like a, a low-key day camp sort of situation uh, in the neighborhood for $5 a kid. Yeah, and this is brilliant. Like, this is <laughs> such a good idea. Like, I know parents now who would be like, like, a morning of childcare for $5 where they get, like, are you kidding? Right? Yeah, sure, they're supervised by 13-year-olds. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we live in Stony Brook, so it's fine. So it's fine. <laughs> well, I was just so struck in this. I think I'd forgotten, you know, in my readings as a kid, I was there more for the plot and the, you know, the interpersonal drama, but Mm -hmm. I'd forgotten how entrepreneurial they are. And I Mm -hmm. just loved it. Like 
there was a moment when they got distracted and Christy gently redirected them and <laughs> gently reminded, you know, yeah, gently sort of reminded everyone of their roles. And then they consulted the treasurer and they made sure everyone's voices were heard. I just, yeah, I loved it. Wow. Look at these ambitious young women making money. Yes. And I think that's such a, a kid thing, too, to be like, we're starting a business. Like, my brother and I were constantly, like, quote, unquote, starting businesses or, like, <laughs> wanting to, um, like, charge people to watch a show in our yard. But, like, we didn't have any neighbors. So it was, like, literally just our parents or if they had friends over. Like, we were not as skilled at this money-making technique as the Babysitter's Club, although our environment was against us. <laughs> So they've got they've got the playgroup coming up. They go around town, the girls giving flyers out to all their regular clients. And like a good wiki page, it reminds us who all the people in town are. It's right. true. It does do that. And one of the people in town is, of course, the Pike family, whose oldest daughter, Mallory, is 11 now. And she is torn because the playgroup sounds fun, but also she's 11, so she's too old for the playgroup. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So they decide that they're going to let her be like a junior babysitter helper. It's before it's before she's officially a junior member of the club, but they are like, okay, well, since you're 11, like you can come for free and help us out. And she's like, yeah, that that's, that sounds great. Yeah, you know, good for Mallory, good for her, <laughs> right? And this was just another moment where I just loved the this com- adult child communication I, I was like would I have done this as a kid when Mallory leaves the room and she looks kind of sad so they look at Mrs. Pike and say is Mallory okay and then Mrs. Pike succinctly explains the problem and you know Mallory's feelings and they come to a perfect solution I just loved it yeah and it's so I know it's a very I know it's a thing that is very like anchored in childhood that this is how many of us feel as children where it's like oh like I'm 13 and she's 11 so she's basically a baby Uh (laughs) whereas like now like looking back on it the idea of being like yes I am two years older than this person but I'm going to speak to their mother as if we're peers (laughs) (laughs) it's just wild but I but I do know, like, I remember from, you know, like, I'm two years older than my brother. I'm looking at him and his mm-hmm. friends and being like, oh, yeah, like, they're children. I'm mm-hmm. mature. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, like, I'm, I'm three and a half years older than my brother. But I realized that, like, he was the Claudia and I was the Janine. <laughs> and I really had to do some, like, reckoning with myself reading these books. <laughs> I don't think I was as aggressive as Janine, but I've jumped ahead without explaining who Janine is because I assume you all know, but she is Claudia's older sister and we've talked about her a little bit already, how she's going to summer school and she's, Claudia always calls her a genius and, you know, she's very academically gifted, but her interpersonal skills are a bit rusty and, you know, I know it's kind of a, a cliche or, you know, you don't want to just be throwing around like, I think she's on the spectrum, but there is something neuroatypical about the way that she presents and whether that's what's intended or whether it's just sort of like, that's what the writers think that like a smart kid talks like, but it is, 
she just can't it's hard for her to make connections and she talks like she swallowed a dictionary and she's just always spitting out like big words that claudia doesn't understand and claudia thinks janine's doing this on purpose and janine doesn't understand what is a normal vocabulary i guess and like how to rephrase herself to be understood and janine is always kind of being held up as the example of like why can't you get good grades like janine and my parents also they did a better job i think maybe of generally supporting my brother's artistic ambitions than claudia's parents are doing but i i think that there was some of that and in retrospect like he and I never really fought like this, but I was reading and being like, oh, I bet that was not that fun. Or like when Claudia talks about how all the teachers remember Janine for being so great. And they're like, I bet you're going to be a great student too. And she's like, no, but I have other talents. Like I, I feel like some of that probably hit my brother because we went to the same school. Anyway, enough about me. This is, uh, this is about <laughs> Claudia and Janine. Uh, yeah. So uh, Janine and Claudia, as Renata kind of outlined, like they don't get along. Uh, they get very frustrated with each other easily. They just cannot seem to communicate in a way that works for both of them. And this particular night, their parents are out and their grandmother Mimi is at home with them. So Claudia and Mimi decide to make dinner together. And Claudia goes upstairs to ask Janine if she's cool with the dinner that Claudia and Mimi have already basically decided to do and phrases it in such a way that it makes it clear that they've already decided they want to do this. And Janine gets kind of huffy about it. And then after dinner, she's like, let's play what essentially is Trivial Pursuit. Yeah. The capital T, capital G trivia game. Uh, And Claudia hates this because she is not very academically gifted and is not very good at regurgitating facts. Mm -hmm. Um, And even like she finds the literature and art questions are more academic than they are like artistic. Mm -hmm. But Mimi clearly really wants them to play together. So she goes along with it. But Janine is kind of a dick, perhaps not on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she thinks she clearly thinks she's trying to be helpful by giving Claudia yeah. hints, but Claudia doesn't get the hints. This family needs the board game Cranium, which I don't think was invented at the time this book was written. But like, you know, Claudia could do the sculpture and drawing questions, and Janine could do the trivia ones. Like, that's a game for your whole brain. And this is not spontan for Cranium. I just really think the community <laughs> would love it. God, I haven't played Cranium in forever. It's a good game. It is a good game. My family really likes Cranium for the reasons I've just outlined. Like, <laughs> I, will, I will crush the like word and spelling games and my brother will make like a beautiful sculpture out of Playgo. It's a great game. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, man. But yeah, and what, okay, what you were just saying about Janine, like, trying, I just find this moment fascinating because, like, Janine is like clearly trying to encourage Claudia, but in this way that is just so perfect to be read incorrectly. Like mm-hmm. every time they just, these two sisters just like are trying in their own ways. And yet every time one extends the hand, they, it becomes a clash. And yeah. I love and that. I think again, <laughs> it, it's to, it speaks to how skillfully these books are written where as a kid, definitely, I was just like, ah, fuck Janine. And reading it not like, because when you read it, you're so in Claudia's point of view mm. that you're like, oh, why is she like this? And then reading it now as an adult, I really am like, you can, like, she is trying. Like, Janine, there's, it's not from Janine's point of view, but if you're reading it objectively, you can see that she's trying and she just doesn't get it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definite points where, like, when Claudia says to her, like, oh, like, are you okay with waffles for dinner? That's what Mimi and I decided we wanted to do. And Janine is, like, very clearly hurt that she wasn't consulted mm-hmm. by this, but phrases it in such a way where she's like, oh, well, like, I guess if that's what already what you already decided, it's fine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, reading it as a kid, you're like, okay, whatever. And, like, or, I mean, maybe if you're a more sensitive kid, you get it right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> reading it as me, a child who was like, yeah, Claudia's great. And Janine, even though I was a fucking nerd kid, mm-hmm. straight A student, <laughs> Janine's the bad one. <laughs> yeah. <here>. Yeah. <laughs> I'm throwing this stone in my glass house. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's clear that she she's hurt, but she also doesn't know how. And there are so many moments like that in this book where, you know, reading it more closely, you can tell that like Janine is hurting very badly, but just doesn't know how to interact with her family in this way. Uh, but this particular night, they get into this fight over the trivia right. game, and Janine storms upstairs to do her to go back to her computer, and Claudia is sulking, and Mimi is mad at Claudia for, you know, picking this fight with Janine and ruining the game, and says she's going to go up to bed early. So mm-hmm. not long after she goes up to bed, they hear a thump from upstairs, and they go to investigate, and... Uh, they find Mimi's on the floor, unconscious, but still breathing. Um, although Claudia does say, oh my gosh, she's been murdered. <laughs> <laughs> Claudia reads a lot of Nancy Drew books, which we'll talk yeah. about more in book 40. <laughs> um, so they call 911, and Janine thinks maybe she had a heart attack. But once they get to the hospital, um, Janine goes with Mimi to the hospital, and Claudia waits for their parents uh, and it, just a really interesting little, because I read the graphic novel too, much like the television show, there's all these little like updates. And one of them is in the book, Claudia calls the restaurant to try and get her parents, but finds out they've already left. Mm-hmm. In the graphic novel, she tries their cell phones and they're not picking up their cell phones. Mm. Uh, which was just reading them back to back was just like an interesting thing that pinged me that like, cause yeah, it would never occur to a child now to call the restaurant where their parents no are. No way. Eating. Yeah. Exactly. So they, they all go to the hospital and they find out that Mimi's in the intensive care unit because she's had a massive stroke mm-hmm. and they think that it's possible she's like breathing and they think she'll, she'll make some sort of recovery, but it's hard to tell what yet. And the whole family is just incredibly devastated. And Claudia thinks it's her fault. Yeah. Oh, I want, I want both Claudia and Janine to get some therapy after this. Agreed. Because, right. I was like, this is so traumatic. You're home alone, and like you find your grandmother like this. But yeah, because what Claudia was rude to Mimi right before mm-hmm. and said something like, "You're just defending Janine because she's the favorite." And mm-hmm. yeah, and then Claudia goes through so much of this book thinking that she gave her grandmother a stroke. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, oh, Claudia. Which, and I feel well, like that's such a, like, you know, hallmark of a lot of children's literature is like children thinking they're at fault for something mm-hmm. like this, like a stroke, or like thinking that they've caused some medical problem that obviously is not caused by them. Right. But it, it feels so real to Claudia. Yeah. And, and that's like an undercurrent throughout this whole book. Like, even as other things are happening like she's still just feeling this guilt and it's i just want yeah i want her to have therapy and a hug yeah so back to the other plot line <laughs> in this the next day 
Claudia's parents are like, oh, there's like, she's still at the hospital. She's still unconscious. There's nothing you can do. You should go to your playgroup because it's the first day of the playgroup. Mm-hmm. And so Claudia does and she tells all of her friends what happened. And they decide they're going to make get well cards for Mimi. And the kids start to show up. And one of the kids who shows up is Jenny, Jenny Prezioso. Prezioso. <laughs> Prezioso. Who, if you are unfamiliar with the Babysitter's Canon, mm-hmm. uh, is a very prissy, fancy little girl who lives in their neighborhood who they babysit for, whose mother is equally, like, very fancy. And Jenny's always dressed, like, super fancy, super, like, she always looks like she's going to some very hoity-toity birthday party. She, Yeah, she's dressed like a Victorian doll at all times. Yes. Yeah. Yes, she is. So she shows up to playgroup. Everyone else shows up to playgroup in like old clothes and shorts and sneakers and old sundresses. And Jenny shows up in like this ruffly pink dress with like pink Mary Janes and little ruffly socks. And they're like, oh, brother. Mm -hmm. And they even because when they talked about doing art activities, Christy was like, oh, and we'll have smocks for the kids. And then after they walk away from the house, she's like, we have to get smocks, which I thought was a good detail. <laughs> so they like they have some of their dad's old shirts to give the kids a smocks, which is so good. But then Jenny doesn't want to wear a smock because it covers her pretty dress. Mm-hmm. And also Jenny's kind of a dick to the other kids. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I just have so many questions about Jenny's home life. And How much you know, laundry like to- does Mrs. Prezioso do? Yes, exactly. And like, what what does she eat? Because she's what like set six, yeah. So, like and you know an age when like you like drop food and like mm-hmm. make messes. And I'm just like, wow, yeah. How how do they avoid messes? I would be very curious to know. <laughs> yeah, it, it's very it's you know. So this is their new like they're they're upset about Mimi, all of them, but also they're like, okay, well, this is I guess this is going to be a thing now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So it's back and forth between. The playgroup checking in on on Jenny's progress with, like, integrating into the messy children group and then checking on Mimi's progress in the ICU. And she does wake up and they're allowed to go visit her for 10 minutes. And Claudia is scared. Like, at first she's so excited to see her, but then she's scared to see her, like, hooked up to all the medical machines. And then Mimi can't talk. But then Claudia is the one who figures out like, Mimi, can you hear me like blink once for yes, twice for no, and it works. Again, because Claudia has emotional intelligence. Um, but but it's still rough. An interesting yeah. bit where they're driving to the hospital where Cla- Claudia asks her parents like, hey, can Mimi hear us? And Janine's like, oh, I can't believe you would ask such an obvious question. And their, their dad's like, uh, yeah, Janine, what what would be the obvious answer to that question? I'm curious. And mm-hmm. she's like, oh. Uh. Yeah. Well, Janine's like, obviously, yes. But the dad's like, well, the doctor says, like, maybe. Mm-hmm. Or like, maybe she can hear the sounds but can't process them. Like, we really don't know what's happening in there. Right. There's also, not to keep bringing back up this graphic novel that I read simultaneous to this that was not part of our homework. Mm-hmm. But there is a really interesting I, – I, I'm just very impressed by, obviously, because she's Raina Tegelmeyer and she's amazing at things. But the graphic representation of Claudia going into Mimi's hospital room for the first time and getting overwhelmed by the machines and, like, the wires and the IVs and everything is just, like, I can't – I'm not good at describing art, so I don't know why I brought this up. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it's just like these little snapshots of like, you know, a heart monitor and an IV tube Aww. and like all of these little like Mimi's hand lying limply on the bed and then Claudia freaking out and running away and crying. And it's just very well done. I got the graphic novel from the library, but then I ran out of time to read it before we recorded. But I'm going to look at it later. Yeah, now I really want to read it. Oh, that's beautiful. Like, and that really struck me in the book, too, just how, like, again, just with the characterization, I really appreciated that, like, the acknowledgement that hospitals can be scary. Mm-hmm. Like, seeing machine, you know, like, uh, yeah, like a scene like this could be really scary. And I love that Claudia could have that. And then I also loved that Janine was like also clearly upset, but had a different reaction. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I just thought that was a really nice representation of like what all the different ways experiences like this can be. So the other thing that's going on simultaneously is we've got the play group, we've got the stuff going on with Mimi. And the other kind of C plot of this book is that Jamie Newton, who is a Long time, long time member of the babysitter's canon, long time client <laughs> of the girls. Uh, his baby si- sister Lucy is getting christened soon, and their parents are throwing a big party. And she's still like a new baby, and she's still getting a lot of like, oh, like, look at the baby, look how cute the baby is. And Jamie's feeling very left out, and the christening is really driving that home for him. And this was also done with like such a deft touch where he'll get so mad about you know her existence and how like we have to be quiet because of the baby and da 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 but then like when she starts to fuss like he goes over and he's taking care of her mm-hmm. and like rubbing her back and telling her it's going to be okay and it it just really it so deftly captured that like I'm so mad that I have to that I I'm not the center of attention anymore but I do love this other person <laughs> um so as as we're going through um Mimi comes out of intensive care and they need someone to watch her during the day and kind of like quiz her on because she's starting to get her speech back. But it's, you know, it, it's taking some time for her to rebuild those connections in her brain. Mm-hmm. So they need someone to like go through flashcards with her and like reintroduce her to, you know, the concepts of life and try to help her reforge those connections in the time that she's not at physical therapy and speech therapy and occupational therapy. And Claudia's like, oh, well, I can do it. Like, I have playgroup, but it's not a big deal. Like, all the other girls will understand that, like, this is more important. And Janine is about to say something. And then once Claudia says that, their mother's like, oh, that's great. Because then Janine doesn't have to worry about missing classes and she can keep going to school. So this is this is the best possible way that this could work out. Mm-hmm. And so, so Claudia basically is, she calls it Mimi sitting where she spends the days with her grandmother, goes over flashcards with her, like reintroduces her to the concepts of like cooking and different making the beds and different things in the house and just like spends time with her and has conversations with her while Janine spends all of her time either at classes or up in her room on her computer. One thing I thought was really nice of Claudia's parents is they they want to pay Claudia to do this because they're like you're missing out on what you would make from the playgroup and Claudia's like she's my grandma and I love her and like you don't have to pay me and they're like well we we want to so they pay her but Claudia's like fine but don't tell Mimi because that would hurt her feelings it's so sweet they're That's also so sweet. sweet yeah and I appreciated like again I'd forgotten all of this as from my childhood readings. 
but I appreciated like the lens it gave too onto like you know like we we babysit kids and that's a certain thing but like this is like a glimpse into how maybe you take care of like adults you know and it can be a lot of work and you know you can be really tired because being a caregiver is hard and you should be compensated for that time but also you do it out of love like I I enjoyed all those lessons and um representations yeah this book is the sandwich generation yeah yes <laughs> also just to note too just what you're saying about like the flashcards and everything this is one of those books where um because one thing that happens with Mimi is that she begins to confuse English and Japanese mm-hmm. um and actually my grandfather on my Chinese side my yaya had a stroke and he had a similar thing where it's called, I think, an aphasic stroke. And he, English was his second language, or actually it's like third, but Chinese was his first. And after the stroke, he'd been pretty fluent in English, but afterwards he kind of went back to Chinese because like a lot of, you know, a lot of your language centers can be affected by a stroke. So he lost a great deal of his English. And in, in my third book, actually, I talk a lot about that. And it's so funny because Literally, my little sister read my third book and was like, oh, my God, it's like me, Claudia, me, Janine. And I totally forgotten. But like, I must have. I was like, oh, I wondered why I loved that book so much. And I was like, yeah, because little me was like, hey, I know this. Oh, OK. Like, see, it turned out totally fine for me. So as it did with my yeah, yeah. But yeah. So I just always I have like a great. I'm just always like, wow, look at this family coming together to work with Mimi, you know, yeah. And not pressure her. So I love it. Yeah, it's very, it's very, it's just like, it's such a, a great snapshot of like how much, even though they, you know, Janine and Claudia in particular are kind of at odds for a lot of it. Like this family does care about each other and they do care mm-hmm. about Mimi and they do care about her like, outside of just like as their grandmother but like as a human person which is yeah so let's see there's a moment where claudia oh claudia is helping with the newtons and so marianne comes to mimi's set and because marianne's not family and she doesn't know any japanese like mimi gets frustrated and actually kind of snaps at marianne which makes like everyone involved feels terrible afterwards, but you do also get a sense that this is frustrating for Mimi. Like she used to know English and now she doesn't, you know? Right. And I, like this book just gives everyone like a whole self and I love it. Yeah. 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 And then I love too, cause then Mimi also still gets to be the adult, even as she is, you know, even as she is needs this assistance, like Mimi's the one who's like, we're going to have tea. I'm going to apologize, you know? Yeah. And, you know, she's the one to extend the hand and say, like, I'm so sorry. I was frustrated. And then they, she, like, initiates that repair. So, yeah, just to say, I, I just love how she gets to have a whole self. And then even sort of with the stroke is still, like, the adult in the situation. Yes. And makes it, yeah, it makes it better. All of it's handled very deftly for a, you know, 120-page long <laughs> series book yeah yeah um so we've got claudia claudia's over helping with the newtons because lucy's christening is happening and Mm -hmm. 
at Lucy's christening, uh, Claudia's job is to take care of, like, she sets everything up because she has that artistic flair Mm -hmm. and makes, like, the yard look nice for the party and everything. But her job at the actual party is to watch Jamie and, like, take care of him while everything else is going on. And she watches as he gets more and more frustrated as, like, everyone pours their love and attention on Lucy. Like, Lucy gets all of these presents and, like, everyone keeps talking about Lucy and, like, none of his extended relatives want to, like, watch him, like, on the swings or, like, doing a cool new trick. They just want to watch the baby. So Claudia, like, kind of leaves him alone to chill because she thinks he needs his space and turns back to him just in time to see him holding a big pitcher of, like, fruit punch Mm-hmm. That he's about to pour on her in her christening gown. Her her white christening gown. Yes, her yeah. white christening gown. And before she can get over there to stop him, he's already putting the pitcher back on the table. And she asks him, like, why were you going to do that? And he's like, well, because I'm mad at her. But, like, also she's my sister and I love her and I don't want to hurt her. Yeah. And it, that's kind of a lightning bolt moment for Claudia who realizes that, like – she is also jealous of of Janine. Like she also is mad that Janine gets all of this attention as the perfect child. But like at her heart, she really doesn't want to hurt her. She just needs an outlet for her feelings that she doesn't yeah. feel like she's getting. Yeah, and then she, and then she does. Oh, because then Claudia comes home and Janine was supposed to be sitting with Mimi. And when, you know, and when Claudia does this, she's very active and like always stays in the same room with her. But like Janine's up in her room and Claudia goes up and kind of explodes. And she's like, what are you doing? You're supposed to be with Mimi, like blah, blah, blah. And Janine's kind of like, well, you're her favorite anyway. And I don't really know what I'm doing. And and they have this like really honest talk where Janine admits that she's jealous of Claudia because she thinks Claudia is Mimi's favorite and that, you know, even though Janine's good at school, like she envies that Claudia is so popular and so cool. Like Janine understands that Claudia is the coolest kid in Stony Brook and Janine is not. And, and it's just like, it's validating to both of them. Yeah. And there's, there's a moment early on in the book where I think it's like the first chapter where they're talking about what they're going to do for the day because of it's the summer and, you know, they're like, oh, Claudia, what are you going to do? And Claudia's like, oh, well, like, I'm going to do this. And then I'm going to go out with Stacy and we're going to go to the mall. And then we're going to meet up with some other friends. And then, like, we have a babysitter's club meeting. And then after the babysitter's club meeting, like, you know, me and Marianne are going to go do this. And, like, it, it's clear from the narrative that, like, Janine is is jealous and, like, upset that, like, this is Claudia's day. And her day is, well, I have computer class. And it it's nice to see that, like... I, I like that they have this conversation where they talk about like, yeah, like, I I wish I had friends as cool as yours. Like, I wish that I had people I was comfortable with the way that you're comfortable with your friends and will like, you know, tell them things and share things with them. And I, I don't have that is nice is what I'm saying. Yeah. And they talk about, you know, Claudia's like, you never help around the house. And Janine's like, well, by the time I come down, like, you've already made dinner and you never like ask for help. And they they communicate about how they need to communicate better. Right. And I love too, because I find it so it like it just so hit me when Janine basically said, like, you know how to have fun with our family. Like you're the mm. fun one. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to do that. And I loved that Claudia gave her some actionable idea steps. She's yeah. like, well, 
what if instead of being in your room, sometimes you, you know, you came downstairs and just hung out with us, then we would know that you wanted to be with us and have fun. Like, I, I thought that was so sweet um, and such a lovely moment of connection. Yeah, they're great. And then finally, Claudia goes and tells Mimi that, you know, she's sorry that it was her fault that Mimi had a stroke. And Mimi is like, no, it wasn't. It definitely wasn't. And also, like, I could never be mad at you, like, even though we were frustrating the most. Like, they they resolve that beautifully. And then Janine comes down and follows Claudia's advice. And she's like, Mimi, why don't we, like, have tea and take a walk? And then um and then Claudia goes to the babysitters club meeting and then that sets up a, a super special book where some of the babysitters would get to go to Sea City with the Pike family. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was such a sweet ending. Yeah. Yeah. So that one's Claudia and Mean Janine. And the other one we did was Claudia and the Middle School Mystery. So Middle School Mystery is the 40th book in the series. We're a little bit further down the line. Uh, a lot of the same themes. It opens with Claudia studying for a math test. But because of the way that they have sort of started to repair their relationship since Claudia and Mean Janine, Janine is being helpful. She's helping mm-hmm. Claudia study, but she's you know trying to meet Claudia at her level and being encouraging instead of just being like, like, come on, you know this, you have to know this. Like, it's so simple. Like she is helping Claudia like work through these problems and giving her test taking advice. Uh, Cause this is a big math test that's coming up. It's for a big portion of their grade. And Claudia is afraid that if she doesn't get her grades up, her parents won't let her stay in the babysitter's club. Mm-hmm. So also, by the way, between book seven and now Mimi died. And so she taught, they keep, like, there's the specter over this where she keeps saying about, like, missing Mimi and wishing Mimi were there to encourage her. Uh, Emotions. So many emotions. I didn't realize that, too. So, like, in that opening chapter when she just casually mentions the picture of Mimi looking over me, I was like, oh, my God. I have so many unexpected feelings. Oh, no. Yeah. So we're we're studying for this math test and Claudia actually feels pretty good about the material. And the next day at school, she goes to take the test and the first question like starts to stymie her. But then she remembers Janine's advice where she says, like, you don't have to take the test in a particular order. You can do whatever you want. So she jumps to a question that looks easier that she knows the answer to. And works her way through the whole test. And it's hard. But when she's done, she does feel like she knew most of the answers. And she's proud of herself because that never happens. Uh, yeah. And she's really stoked. Yeah. And and one thing I do want to mention is that the math class is with a long-term sub named Mr. Zorzi, who's been there for like a month because I forget why. The regular teacher's not there. But Mr. Zorzi's been there for a little while, but not a full school year. Mm-hmm. Um, so she, you know, says to her friends, like, oh, like, I'm so excited. Like, we're going to celebrate at the club meeting tonight because, like, I did really well on this test. I can just tell. And Marianne's like, cautious optimism, Claudia. <laughs> yeah. You know, don't count your chickens before they're hatched. And everyone else is like, Marianne, don't be a dick. Claudia feels good about it. Marianne's like, well, I'm just saying. <laughs> they don't call Marianne a dick because she would cry. But that's the vibe. <laughs> They get the test back the next day. They get the test back and Claudia gets an A minus, which is incredible. And she's so excited. But then after class, Mr. Zorzi makes her 
and this popular girl named Shauna stay after class. And he's like, you two have the exact same score and you got the, the same problems wrong in the exact same way. So one of you cheated off the other one. And Shauna's like, obviously it wasn't me. Like I'm a good student and I'm like a cheerleader, like blah, blah, blah. And Claudia's like, well, I didn't, but Mr. Zorzi's like, no, it sounds like you did. So I'm very disappointed and you get an F Claudia. And he doesn't really hear her out. And Claudia is devastated. Obviously. He says he's got to tell the principal. Mm-hmm. And they're going to call right. her parents. Right. And just, this made me so, I just, I know I did not pick up on this as a child at all. But as an adult, I'm like, what? The school must have a set procedure for if you suspect students have cheated. You know, and just what a juxtaposition of like what, as you guys were saying, when she takes the test, like she's such an engaged learner. Like a child who is all her life hated math is like totally enveloped in math and enjoying it. And in one fell swoop, this teacher just destroys that connection and is like, you're a cheater. Shauna smiled and said she didn't do it. So I let Shauna go and was like, I'm disappointed in you. You're in trouble. I was so mad. It was, it was just, it was completely, it was infuriating. The whole thing was infuriating. (laughs) Um, so she she goes home and her parents ask her, like, hey, like, we got a call from your principal. Is there anything you want to tell us? And she tells them, like, I was accused of cheating. Like, I took this test. I studied really hard with Janine. I, you know, and then we got it back today and the teacher said that I was cheating, but I wasn't. And her parents are kind of like, oh, well, you know, these things. And then Janine's like, no, like I studied with her and I know she knew the material and she didn't have to cheat. And much to Claudia's frustration, it's not until Janine says that, that her parents are kind of like, oh, okay. Well, if Janine says so. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like the teacher says something like, Claudia, like, I'm sure it must be frustrating to you that you keep getting bad grades, but that doesn't excuse this. And I think her parents have a similar vibe of of that until Janine vouches for her. And then she gets upset, too, because the next day at lunch, or maybe it's that same day at lunch, she tells the other babysitters, like, this is what happened. And everyone's like, oh, my God, like, how could she? Like, we have to, like, get revenge for you. And then Marianne's like, you know, we'd still be your friends if you did cheat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like, Marianne, shut up. <laughs> Yeah. And then Marianne starts to cry. <laughs> yeah. That time she does. Yeah. And again, like. <laughs> She's like, I'm not saying Claudia cheated. And and you can tell Marion does, like, mean it, but it's just not the right thing to say. No. Yeah. Um, so they yeah. they have all of these plans that they're going to use to get justice for Shauna, for Claudia against Shauna, mm-hmm. where uh, they're going to, like, over try to, like, spy on her and her friends, and they're going to mm-hmm. go, her locker is right next to Dawn's, and there her, was some- her locker, No, her locker used to be Dawn's locker, so Dawn yeah. knows the combination. They're right next to each other, and for a while, Dawn was in that one, and then they swapped, which just seems... That seemed unnecessarily convenient, but yeah. whatever. Yeah, it would have, when when she said that her my locker's right next to hers, I assumed it was going to be like, so I've spied her doing her combination. But right. no, it was like, no, but, but I was in that locker first, and I know the combination, and for some reason it didn't change. There are those lockers where the lock is built into the lo- door. Yeah, I know, As opposed I to the had... ones... Those were like we had those in my high school, but they there was a mechanism in them to change the combination, 
when oh. one person stopped using them and a new person started, or else you could break into any locker that you ever used. Right. I guess I just, I guess that didn't occur to me, and I just figured people would forget their combination and move on. <laughs> it didn't occur to me that it would be changed between years. <laughs> I'm not a criminal mastermind. <laughs> Well, I'm just impressed that the lockers lock. I, I think I just thought from where I went to school, I just assumed that they'd be like, you know, if you just like hit the top of the locker, it opens. So yeah, I, was, I was like, oh, that makes sense. I guess you would have to know the code. And yeah. <laughs> they have this this plan to break into Shauna's locker to like look through because she's always passing notes with her friends. Mm-hmm. And maybe she implicated herself in a note. And then Claudia notices Shauna like acting sketchy in the hallway and follows her and her friends into a bathroom and hides in a stall and listens to them basically say like, man, Shauna, it's wild that Claudia Kishi got such a good score on that test that you cheated on her off her for like, what a boon for you. (laughs) And Shauna says like, yeah, I knew, I knew it would work because I overheard Claudia talking about how she was studying with that genius sister of hers. So I knew that she would do well on it, which is a big leap from Shauna, actually. <laughs> yeah. Also, I not to give away the end too early, but this is, I think, another area of Claudia's emotional intelligence. Because, like, after overhearing this exchange, as um, like expositiony as it is, I would like never forgive this person. You know, just being like, oh, too bad. What's another F for Claudia Kishi? Ooh, yeah. And at the end, Claudia is a better person than I am. Yeah, I, I like, haven't oh forgiven Shauna. Yeah. <laughs> like, could you? Well, and what I thought you were going to say also is that when Claudia is overhearing this in the bathroom, when she hears Shauna say that, first she wants to, like, burst out of the stall and confront her. Mm-hmm. But then she, like, remembers her Nancy Drew lessons and she's like, no, oh, yeah. stay hidden and keep listening and see what else I can find out. So good. Claudia, yeah. so good. So good. So there's, there is also a, a plot line running parallel to this about telling the truth because it's a Babysitter's Club book. So the B plot is also about, <laughs> you know, honesty. And it is that Stacy was babysitting for the Pike kids and the triplets were playing baseball and they broke a window and they've just watched the Three Musketeers or just read Three Musketeers for the first time. And so they won't admit which one of them broke the window. Uh, so they're yeah, all they're, grounded. Yeah, they're very all mm-hmm. all for one. Where the triplets, the three musketeers. Yeah. Yes, um, and so they they have remained grounded. Like other people are babysitting for them, and they still like are grounded because they still won't you know tell on one or the other of the three of them. And it's it's creating problems because they're always in a bad mood from being grounded, and it gets in the way of like family plans where like they need to go to the mall to get school supplies or whatever, but the, the triplets are grounded. Like, it's a whole thing. Yeah. They're just unpleasant. <laughs> they're just yeah. unpleasant when they're like this. It seems more like a punishment for the rest of the family. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it like, oh my gosh, how long do you guys want to keep this up? Yeah, and the, and the parents kind of confess that to the sitters too, like, <laughs> you know, and they say, like, I'm kind of proud of them for sticking together, but, like, I don't want to back down because we already mm-hmm. made this claim. It's it's good. It's good. Good family dynamics fully realized for the Pikes. Yes. <laughs> so meanwhile, back at school, Dawn goes through with her plan to break into Shauna's locker. And they do find a note where Shauna confesses to cheating. 
but then they realize that they can't use the note because then they'll have to say that they broke into Shauna's locker to get it and they'll get in trouble for breaking into her locker. So instead they come up with these like elaborate plans to get her to confess that also don't work. But the linchpin, as usual, comes from the B-plot, where Mallory decides that the way to get the triplets to finally, like, come clean about what happened is to have them reenact what they did that afternoon. Yeah, reenact the crime. Yeah, reenact the crime. Uh, Burgeoning murderino Mallory. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, it becomes clear that no one of them was at fault. The series of events that happened were like one of them pitched bad on accident and then the other one hit it at a weird angle because the pitch was weird. And and, yeah, like they're all bad at baseball is actually the moral of the story. And they, and the the third one tried to catch it before he hit, it hit the window, but he ran to the wrong window. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So in, in hearing about that, Claudia is like, Oh my God, of course. Like this, this is this is the this is what I need to do too. Uh, but but in between that, she decides that she like it just goes full throttle with like it doesn't fucking matter if they think I'm a cheater. I obviously can't prove that I'm not, and they're just gonna accept that about me. So it doesn't fucking matter. I'm gonna dress like Miss Frizzle and live my uh-huh. best life. Yeah, it's also like Claudia in the middle school nihilism, where she's like, nothing matters. And I also don't quite totally understand the connection between Claudia makes between like, I'm nihilistic now and also Miss Frizzle, but 10 out of 10. It was amazing. Because she's like, oh, nothing matters. Like, this outfit's a little weird even for me, but who cares if people think I'm weird? Like, they think I'm bad at math and they think I'm weird and who cares? I I think that's amazing. I but anyway, yeah. So she's like, "Oh, I should, I should." Ha-. She actually at lunch, she's like, "Oh, I'll do that. I'll have um, Shauna reenact taking the test, and then Mister Zorzi will see that he cheated." And they're like, "I think it's Marianne again, actually, who's like, but she can just pretend like she didn't cheat." But they don't get the the point of like retaking the test with like Claudia's show that she can actually do the math, which comes up later. But none of them have that realization. They're just like, oh yeah, she'll cheat again, but he'll be watching. <laughs> but yeah. then meanwhile, Claudia's like hyping herself up to go and talk to the teacher about this. And then she sees Janine in the middle school and she's like, Janine, what are you doing here? And Janine's like, I just thought it was time that like I address this problem. And you know, I have a good relationship with the middle school principal, obviously, so he'll believe me. So she just, like, goes and has a meeting with the principal where she, like, vouches for Claudia, basically. is like, I studied with her, and of course, you know, I wouldn't cheat because I'm Janine Kishi. And mm-hmm. the principal's like, oh, okay. So then, because of Janine's talk, they agree to give Claudia a chance to take not the same test, but take another test on the same subject alone. And she takes it and gets an even better grade mm-hmm. on it. She only misses two on it this time. And, it, you know, and so she's so proud and so excited. Mr. Zorzi's like, oh, cool. And then he goes and talks to Shauna and he's like, hey, Claudia took this test again and she actually did a great job. So I'm going to give you a chance to take the test again also because now you're a suspect. And Shauna confesses and she's like, oh, no, I I can't retake it because I'm busy. And he's like, no, it'll be during class. And she's like, no, I can't. And then she's fully like, OK, I did it. I'm sorry. I cheated. I'm just so stressed because I'm cheerleading and like 
student council, like whatever, like her whole laundry list of activities. She's like, I didn't have time to study and I did cheat. And Mr. Zorzi's like, and you let, and he's like, and you let me believe that Claudia cheated. And it's like, hey, this is on you hey, too, sir. Seriously. I was like, dude. But he's like, you, need, you need to apology. Yeah. He does apologize and Claudia accepts oh, his right. apology. But, um, Claudia again is the bigger person, but then he makes Shauna apologize, and Shauna like mumbles. It's not even really an audible apology, but Claudia is just like so happy that she's vindicated and that she actually sort of understands math now. That, um, yeah. Oh my god! Just to say two things because I had so many feelings about these scenes. Mm -hmm. I loved when Janine, when Janine and Claudia leave the principal's office, and it looks like things, you know, like Claudia's going to take the test again. It looks like it's being resolved. Just what we were talking about before with her parents kind of, you know, like this idea of like some of the people around her thinking, well, you're not good at math. I loved that like Janine turns to Claudia and says, no one calls my little sister a liar. And it was just, yeah, it was just so fierce and protective. And, you know, and it was like, I loved that. It was like just this vouching for Claudia in this way that I think she wanted from other people and didn't quite get. So, oh, but then also there's this moment too where Mr. Zorzi says to Shauna, you can take the test tomorrow. And Claudia's mm. like, wait a minute, but then she'll get to study. This is so unfair. I just had to take the test. And then Shauna confesses. But I was, yeah, just another feather in the cap of the school needs better procedures. Absolutely. For instance, of plagiarism. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, it's very, uh, and I guess I guess it's also because she like lied too, but like then Shauna gets suspended for two days. Yeah, which just felt reading it as like being like, wow, that feels harsh. But maybe I mean maybe it's also because she lied to a teacher. But like I mean, fucking people cheated off me all the time in middle school. No one ever got suspended. <laughs> there was one kid who like consistently cheated off me, and I was so mad because like the teacher never addressed it, and like never like. You would the class would be rearranged and he would always be near me and near enough to cheat. But then, and I don't know if the teacher did this on purpose, he caught him cheating on the final. And if you cheated on the final, you failed the class automatically. <gasps> Whoa. So I did feel vindicated when that happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, justice for Kate, justice for Claudia. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. And then and then the ending of it is twofold because the babysitters club they bring cookies and stuff to celebrate Claudia's victory at their meeting. And then gosh, one thing we didn't even talk about and I assume everyone knows because it is so iconic, but Claudia loves junk food and her family doesn't let her have it. So she always has junk food hidden around her room like a squirrel mm. and so like <laughs> you reach behind Claudia's bookcase and pull out a thing of Oreos and you're like, "Oh, cool." Which some of that must be stale, but it's fine. But um, so they, instead of relying on Claudia to provide junk food, like they bring it to her. And then her family is so proud of her that they make her a cake. So she gets like cookies and cake in the same day, which is huge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And it's so sweet. And she says like, oh, usually they only celebrate Janine's achievements and realizes like, oh, I get like I can have school achievements, too. Yeah. So, yeah. There was um there was another cute part in the um graphic novel that I don't believe was in the actual book where 
Claudia and Janine when they're like the, the Claudia and me and Janine graphic novel and not this one. There wasn't a graphic novel of this one that I know of. Not when yet. they're like having their talk and they're bonding, Claudia is like, oh, like, do you want a, a snack? Like I have candy hidden in my room. And Janine's like, I also have candy hidden in my room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's amazing. <laughs> Which was just, it was a very like, oh, like I didn't know that about you. And she's like, yeah, like there's a lot of things that we probably don't know about each other. Maybe we should talk more kind of moment. Mm-hmm. Aww cuties that's really sweet but it reminded me too of the other we one of the other books we read where like everyone the claudia and her family are are on vacation for the summer and like there's all these strict things they're not supposed to do and over the course of the summer claudia finds out that all of her family is breaking the rules except for her (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah the the kishi family has depth (laughs) yeah all right. Well, let's um let's move into dramatic readings and just give you all a little taste of this. So, um for starters, Susan and I are going to read from the very beginning of Claudia and Mean Janine and Susan will be Claudia and I will be Janine as is my birthright. <laughs> so, may I ask how your agency plans to function once your founder is residing in a different district? You may. I was stalling. I had no idea what she was talking about. Oh, I understand. You want to play games. Well, I'll comply. All right. How does your agency plan to function once your founder is residing in a different district? Huh? I said... Janine, talk in English, will you? I am. I can't help it if this is the manner in which I speak. And I can't help it if I don't understand you. Oh, never mind. I was simply trying to uphold my end of a meaningful conversation with my sibling. You were trying to what? Talk to you. Oh, well, why didn't you just say so? I did. Very well. Have fun drawing and babysitting and shopping. How did Janine always manage to make me feel that I couldn't do anything worthwhile? And you have fun talking to machines! (laughs) (sighs) <sighs> yeah but see, like seriously why is Janine like this <laughs> <laughs> but they're also so like I think that's what I love that it's like they're so different and yet they're both of their frustrated reactions are exactly the same <laughs> it's just like aww <sighs> alright our next dramatic reading uh, is from Claudia and the Middle School Mystery And it is uh, Claudia and Janine working on studying math and being really mad about chocolate chip cookies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. So Susan is going to be Janine and I will be Claudia for this one. So if Gertrude used two thirds of a cup of chocolate to make eight cookies, how much chocolate would be in each cookie? I frowned. I bit my lip. I tapped my pencil against my front teeth. Each cookie would have... Right then, I hated Gertrude, whoever she was. Why did she have to make cookies anyway? And why did she have to measure out the chocolate? I just dump it as much as I had. I love chocolate, and I hate the name Gertrude. (laughs) Janine nodded at me encouragingly, smiling as if I'd already come up with the right answer. I looked up at the picture hanging over my desk. Mimi, as a 12-year-old, gave me her gentle smile. I looked down at the problem one more time. 
It's got to be one-twelfth, I said. One-twelfth of a cup in each? Janine was grinning at me. You've got it, Claude. I really think you understand it this time. Excellent. So now you know how much chocolate Gertrude put in each cookie, and so do I, I guess. At least this time. But you don't know who I am, or who Janine might be, or even who Mimi in the picture is. Aww. But of, of course we do. Yeah. We the reader. <laughs> All right. And then one last dramatic reading um, from also from Middle School Mystery will be, uh, I will be Claudia just being a true fashion icon. <laughs> I woke up early and lay in bed thinking about what to wear to school. What outfit could I wear to best express my new attitude? I decided that somebody who felt the way I did, or at least the way I wanted to feel, would dress pretty wildly. I decided to do a Ms. Frizzle. Do you know who Ms. Frizzle is? She is a character in this great kid series, The Magic School Bus Books. Ms. Frizzle is a wacky teacher who takes her class on amazing class trips, like, would you believe, inside the human body? Anyway, you must be wondering what this has to do with what I was going to wear. Well, here's the thing. Miss Frizzle is the wildest dresser I've ever seen. She always wears these coordinated outfits. In Inside the Human Body, she wears a dress with eyes and ears and noses all over it. And her shoes have, you guessed it, tongues. In another book, she wears a dress with caterpillar design and on her shoes are butterflies instead of bows. I love the way Ms. Frizzle dresses. I decided that my theme for the day would be the sea. I put in a blue skirt with brightly colored tropical fish printed all over it. Then I put on a green blouse. I figured that could represent seaweed or something. I pulled my hair into a ponytail over to one side, and I pinned it with a sand dollar barrette I made last summer. Claudia, you're going to be late. I ran to my closet and pulled out a pair of shoes. They're the plastic kind called jellies that I had decorated with stickers of seahorses and shells. I looked at myself in the mirror as I slid the shoes on. Was it too much? I shook my head. I looked great. I looked like someone who didn't care about what grade she got on a dumb old math test. (sighs) Good for you, Claudia. Like, what an icon. I, I was about to say iconic outfit and I realized when listening to this when I was like this doesn't sound that wild that I I have perhaps in my old age embraced Claudia's <laughs> style to a degree that where I'm like that that sounds like a normal outfit that I <laughs> I this is not spawn by the way I know Stitch Fix Fix sponsors some podcasts, not ours, but I genuinely did Stitch Fix. And when you fill out your style profile, it asks who your style icon is. And I did put Ms. Frizzle in mine. That's incredible. And Stitch Fix is not at that level. They they sent me like a floral dress. And I was like, this is fine. But do you have anything with like the human body on it? No. And where's the iguana? Yeah. <laughs> see this is my my million dollar idea is i've gotta start a stitch fix like company for the ms frizzles of the world because i know Ooh. i have there's all sorts of wild clothing that i don't own because i only have so much room in my closet that i would love to pick out for other people stitch frizzle yeah Ooh. <laughs> tm 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 go by 
Kate, when we hang up this call, go register Stitch for Wait, Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and stitch frizzle dot pizza (laughs) i just want to know too that also in this book where like teachers are terrible i love that she evokes like the best teacher it's like miss frizzle would not pull this unfair nonsense like she would not so i was like yeah claudia you channel miss frizzle (laughs) you put those teachers to shame (laughs) All right. Oh, this book, these books are great. Let's move on to Reader's uh-huh. Advisory and suggest some other books that are also great. Um, and I'm going to start. I mentioned this mm-hmm. at the top, but we are we are on the line with the Susan Tan, the author of the Scylla <laughs> Lee Jenkins series, which are, you know, when we talk about what age group Babysitter's Club is pitched at, I feel like it hits such a wide range. And like mm-hmm. the Raina graphic novels, I think especially are are hitting those like middle, like young middle grade readers. But usually the kind of rule of thumb is you want the characters to be a few years older than your intended audience. I feel like the babysitters club are older, but not anyway, they're in a weird territory. I feel like, and that maybe that's why they're so iconic. I don't know. Anyway, the point is Silly Jenkins is eight (laughs) and great. (laughs) Thanks. Um, Susan, do you have any, we have a whole list as usual on our website, Mm worstbestsellers.com. So you can look at ones that we maybe don't have a chance to talk about all of them because the podcast will be seven hours long. But Susan, you got some faves you want to highlight? Yes. I think the big one I want to highlight is Keep It Together, Keiko Carter by Debbie Michiko Florence. And like, it's, also, it's about a Japanese American girl in middle school. And it's just like, it reminds me so much of the Babysitter's Club in this, like in, or like in the, all the strengths we've been talking about in which it just, it's about like your friends. And when you have a first crush on someone, right. And all the interpersonal things that you might be thinking about in middle school and Keiko Carter, like loves chocolate and is really creative and she has a crush on a boy. And it also deals with things like she gets her period for the first time at school. And, you know, and all her friends are there to help her. Like, it's this beautiful, amazing book. And there's going to be another book coming out soon in the series. So that's my big, big recommendation. Uh, I'm going to throw out there, too, in case I'm imagining if you're listening to our podcast about the Babysitter's Club, you are aware of the Claudia Kishi Club, the uh, short documentary film that's Mm -hmm. on Netflix. Mm -hmm. But if you aren't, you should check it out. It's very good. I cried like a hundred times watching. <laughs> it's like, I'm with you. It's like 17 minutes long. And I was like, how many of the 17 minutes have I been in tears? Like, unclear. <laughs> I'm just going to throw out one more just because mm-hmm. I love this book. And if anyone hasn't read it, I just want to say Front Desk and then the sequel Three Keys by Kelly Yang are just such beautiful, moving, like middle grade stories of a a young Asian American entrepreneur with a lot of emotional intelligence and just and also um, set in the 90s, set in Babysitter's Club times, although Babysitter's Club times are a a, a amorphous 20 year time loop. (laughs) Internal time. (laughs) Anyway, there's a there's a bunch more great like middle grade and YA books that we would love to recommend to you. So again, please check out the full list at worstbestsellers.com. And we will move on to our favorite game, The Rock Paper Snicked, where of course Kate will say who Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book. And I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book. And Susan will choose which most enhances the book, or she can choose 
books, plural in this case, or um, she can choose paper, which is to leave the book as is. If The Rock were in this book, he would be Mimi's physical therapist. He would see Claudia periodically as she was helping Mimi in the aftermath of her stroke and would notice that she was like frustrated and depressed from time to time because he's The Rock. He talked to her and get her to open up. And uh, she would tell him all about the issues she's having with Janine. And he would offer advice and tell her that, you know, she really needs to put herself in Janine's shoes and understand how hard it must be for her, encouraging her to kind of like bridge the gap between the two of them and have this conversation they need to have and come together as a family in this difficult time. I love The Rock. I love that. I've put Wolverine in middle school mystery. And if he were in that book, he'd be the gym teacher at Stony Brook Middle School. Uh, and with his superior physical senses, he would overhear Shauna and her friends scheming their little cheating plans. And he would he would try to intimidate them into confessing. Um, and he would tell Claudia that, you know, he believes her and that she should keep fighting for herself. And he offers to stab Mr. Zorzi if, if needed. Mm. But because she's Claudia and she's so forgiving, she says, no, please don't stab him, but she'll figure out a nonviolent solution. (laughs) So she, you know, she still gets to have her moment of victory of retaking the test, but just with a little bit more moral support from somebody at that school. (laughs) I love that so much. (laughs) Wait, I have a question. Can I cheat and pick both because they're two different books? You know what? You know what? Yes. <laughs> because because we cheated and each picked a different book. So Wait, well, no rules, just right. <laughs> amazing. And I have an argument for this because I think each of these excellent scenarios enhances the themes of the book and what it needs. Like in Mean Janine, right? Like what the book needs is this like beautiful emotional discussion with The Rock who would have it exquisitely and there'd probably be music playing. So like, that's glorious. And then obviously I think middle school mystery needs these adults held accountable. And who better than Wolverine? Exactly. Love that. Uh, All right. Good game. We all win. Everybody wins. Now it is time for Duarte's Corner where my cat Duarte Mm -hmm. gives his opinions about the book. So true, Duarte. I mean, here's the thing. This, these are Claudia-focused books, so it makes sense that we haven't checked in on Marianne's cat, Tigger. But I do I do always want to know what Tigger's up to. And you're right. Maybe Tigger could just have his own, like, chapter three of every book could be about Tigger. Yeah, and I, I do I do think that maybe you were onto a good idea there with getting Mimi, like, a, a therapy animal as in the form of a little cat. You know, I think that'd be helpful to her, probably. Definitely. Excellent idea. (laughs) All right. Duarte, thanks thanks as ever for sharing your wisdom with us. Do any humans have any closing thoughts? These are good books. These are good books. Yeah. I agree. I enjoyed reading them so much. (sighs) They're good books. I'm so glad that the graphic novels really are like reviving these for another generation. But because it takes a long time to make a graphic novel, they haven't adapted all of these. So if you are listening and you have kids who are reading the graphic novels, like dig up the original books. They're still good. 
a lot of them are available as even if I don't I haven't <laughs> looked for physical copies in a very long time, but I know that a lot of them are available as ebooks. I a, a surprising amount. I was not expecting mm-hmm. some of the older, more obscure titles to be available as ebooks, but you know, they are. So check it out. Yeah. Oh, and there's the Netflix series, which is also yes. really good. The Netflix series really is such a good, it does such a good job of like bringing it to modern day, but also so perfectly capturing what's great about these characters. And they're played by actresses who are, you know, close to the right age as opposed to like 18 year olds playing eighth graders. (laughs) They're so sweet. Yeah. It's so good. All right. Well, uh, if you want to hop online and, and find two babysitters and one cat at one convenient social media (laughs) account. Uh, We are on Facebook and Instagram at worst bestsellers spelled normally. And then we're also on Twitter at worst bestseller with no S because, because the S was spilled on Jenny's dress and we had to clean it up and it's, it's lost forever to us. We also have a Goodreads group that is best accessed by going to our website, worstbestsellers.com, and clicking on the Goodreads link. You can subscribe to us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, all of the places where podcasts live. You know where they are. Uh, and if you do subscribe to us, please take a moment to rate and review. When you rate and review, it moves us up on the charts and makes it easier for new listeners to find us. Uh, if you don't rate and review, then we will be forced to hold you down and force you to wear a smock so you don't get stuff spilled <laughs> on your pretty dress. <laughs> you can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash bestsellers. Patreon is a service where you pledge a small monthly recurring donation that goes to us to do things like pay for our editing software and our web hosting and all sorts of stuff like that. And in return, you get little gifts like a newsletter that comes out every month and all sorts of other stuff. You can check it out there. Uh, We also have merch available. You can find that by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on merch, where you can find all sorts of things from our podcast to wear on your body. And uh, finally, we have a Discord server where fans of the show and also me and Renata, you know, hang out and talk about books and legends of tomorrow and other podcasts and all sorts of things and you can find that by going to worstbestsellers.com and clicking on the link for discord i truly love the part of the show where we just explain the links to people <laughs> put your finger on the trackpad drag it over <laughs> to our discord and we'll see you there that's amazing <laughs> Finally, for me, uh, if you just want me personally, I'm on on Twitter and Instagram at Renata Snacks. Uh, you can find me mostly on Instagram these days, but on basically every social media platform at 14 across. And uh, Susan, where can people find you? Oh, yes, they can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Susan SM Tan. And of course, uh, find Susan's books in your local bookstore. And, and get them for the children in your life. Or for you. <laughs> Just get them. Uh, all right, Susan, thank you so much for joining. It was great to talk to you. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Yay. Uh, and we will be back in two weeks. Flashback Summer will continue. And we are continuing our journey with the Babysitter's Club. At the time we're recording this, I'm not totally sure which title will be next. But it'll probably be on the website by the time 
you're listening to this episode so you can go there or just wait and be surprised in two more weeks from now yeah (laughs) all right um thanks everyone bye bye Stitchfrizzle.pizza. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>